For GateWorld.net, I'm Darren Sumner, and we're here talking with Kevin Smith. Kevin, thanks for being with us. No problem. Anytime. Now, Major Lorne has become a mainstay on Stargate Atlantis over the last year, but many fans may not realize that his first appearance was actually three years ago on SG-1. Yes. Tell us how you were originally cast in Enemy Mine. Uh, well, Peter DeLuise directed the episode, and uh, I've kind of known Peter a little bit before that, and I went in, and uh, it was uh, for a surveyor-type character, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I didn't necessarily think that it was going to go anywhere at the time, um, but we had a good time shooting it. I, taught, I, knew, I knew the producers, just sort of Vancouver's a small film community, so I got to kind of know them. We talked a little bit. Um, they mentioned that they were thinking of the spin-off then but they didn't really have a lot of details. Um, so when it came time to, uh, to go in for Atlantis, it was actually for a different character. They'd written a new character for the season. And I went in, it was recurring. And this, was, this guy was a much more military-type guy. This was a soldier, not so much a surveyor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't remember what they called him, his name. It was a really interesting name. Not as cool as Lauren, but they liked what I did, I guess, in the long run. And so they just... I thought that it was going to be this new character, and lo and behold, when I got the script, they changed it to Lauren, and I was like, it's kind of cool, again. he's back. <laughs> so obviously I wasn't awful so the first time in Enemy Mine. Was it the case that you auditioned for this second character, and they decided, we're going to go with this guy, he's already been on the show, he's Lauren, let's make it Lauren. Exactly, uh, exactly. I was, uh, it, it, like I said, it's an entirely different type of character, but I guess the fusion between the two really isn't, you know. In movie land, you can do all sorts of things. You know, mm -hmm. we got the X machine working. Now we can do whatever. So, that's what it was. What stands out in your mind uh, the most from working on Enemy Mine back in season seven of SG One? Well, I'm getting old. It's hard <laughs> hard to remember that long ago. But uh, I guess I guess the uh, what stands out most is is less of a show thing and more of a personal thing. Michael Shanks and I worked together years ago, and uh, so it was actually kind of cool to reconnect with Michael. And uh, in between takes, we were just kind of talking crap. And uh, so it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I remember we, oh, the other thing that you can't forget is they shoot a lot of stuff out here in what's called the GVRD, which is in the, the woods. And um, we were bombarded, literally bombarded, by mosquitoes the size of baseballs, carrying <laughs> little dogs away. It was awful. But, um, yeah, so that's what I remember about it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What was the project that you and Michael had, had met on? <laughs> I almost, uh, it was another sci-fi show, actually. It was for, oh, what network? Good question, not sure, a long time ago. But it was a show shot in Winnipeg, Canada, mm -hmm. called, originally called Mission to Mars. But then, believe it or not, I did the feature film Mission to Mars, which mm -hmm. came out about a year later, six months to a year later, and they had bought the name Mission to Mars, so the, the, the first show switched it, I think, to Escape from Mars. UPN, that's who it was for, UPN. Mm. And uh, Neil Fernley directed that one. So we met on that one, and we were stuck in spacesuits for, I think, about two months. And we had these little ComTech mics on, so no one could escape anybody else. Whenever you burped, whenever you farted, whenever you made nasty <laughs> jokes, everybody hurt. So no one could get rid of anybody else. So we actually bonded quite a bit on that show. <laughs> so it was nice to uh, meet up with Michael again after all that time. Oh. Awesome. So 
You've uh, you've done a lot of other sci-fi work as well. Yeah, I, I, not necessarily intentionally. I, it just seems to kind of happen that way. I mean, in Vancouver, which is where I'm from, uh, there is a lot of there's a large sci-fi community, so a lot of that stuff gets done here. And uh, well, the one thing that you have to sort of consider when you do sci-fi is that it's not necessarily a genre that I that I set out to to get into, but once you're there. You have to really like it because the fans are ridiculously loyal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like nothing else. I mean, you could go out and you could win three Oscars and people forget about you in like six weeks. Sci-fi stuff, like Enemy Mine, three or four years ago you said, people still talking about it, asking me about it. So it's in just an entirely different kind of fan. Huh. I actually have questions from your fans. Oh, boy. For you. Okay, uh, fire away. Cafe Nottingham. Do you know that your fans have chosen Marcus as Lauren's first name? You know, it's funny. I actually, when I was on set the other day, somebody told me that. And I, my mother originally was going to call me Marcus. Oh. Believe it or not. Oh. Wow. So I don't know if that's a character thing or a personal thing, but yeah, I, I heard that. Man, my, maybe this was my mother who called him. It's possible. Not a bad name, Marcus. Everybody needs a first name. Lauren needs a first name. He doesn't have one yet? As far as we know. We, we joke about it every day. So one day it's Fanouf, one day it's Joey, one day it's Bill, now it's Marcus, whatever. You go with it. Uh, we haven't gotten to know Lauren real well beyond some of his personality traits. He's a little playful with Dr. Weir in one mm-hmm. episode. Uh, who do you think this guy is at heart or when he's off duty? Well... One of the things with being a recurring character on a show is that you don't necessarily get a lot of the character development type scenes to uh-huh. do. So you have to work a lot of that on your own, and be re- it has to be there. If they give you the chance, and if somebody says, okay, well, let's go a little deeper with you, like, thank God. Mm-hmm. But um, in the first episode that I did um, in Atlantis, they had me doing a lot of scenes with uh, McKay and uh, David Hewitt's character, a very funny guy. So we kind of had a little bantering thing going on, a little bit of sarcasm back and forth. So with that, I decided that I would try and instill a lot of humor with the character. So whenever I get the chance, I try, not ha-ha humor, but, you know, some sarcastic asides and, and little things like that. So I think he's got an acerbic sense of humor. I think he's relatively intelligent. Um, I think that... He's a problem solver, cause, and I, this is something I've done myself, because they bring him in to help out. Generally, if Shepard goes off-world or something like that, they bring in Lauren to sort of help with the military aspect of things. So I kind of read into that, that he's a bit of a problem solver, that maybe he's the next to step up to some sort of command. They had me uh, on the, was it the Pegasus the other day, working on that. So I think that he's a bit of a problem solver, a bit of a smart-ass, smart, funny. As far as family goes, no idea. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think too much, because then if they say I'm gay, I don't know I'm going to be almost <laughs> So, anyway. Shadow Matt. Nah. Um, you've appeared in a lot of sci-fi shows, Outer Limits, 4400, Stargate, most mm-hmm. recently Battlestar Galactica, in which case they just killed you. Yeah. It's a drag. You can't recur on every show. No. Are you a fan of the genre, or is it that sci-fi is what is available? No, def- def- it's not that I'm not a fan of sci-fi. It's It's... When you start doing it and you sort of become accustomed to getting into the, the role and, and what it calls for, because sci-fi is an entirely different thing. You have to get your brain around, first of all, technical jargon. You have to know what you're saying. You have to understand what's going on around you, where the mission has come before you, where the show is going after you. So it's, um, 
it's very, I, I sort of equate it to reading a Dune novel. I mean, there is an entire economic, there's a whole thing built in there that you have to be a part of and you have to understand if you're going to do it correctly. So I didn't understand it before I got into it. I didn't really know what the sci-fi genre was. I've done a lot of drama. I try and do a lot of comedy when I can. And I've really come to enjoy it, if for no other reason. I mean, I love the scripts, I love all that kind of stuff, but it is so much fun because you do the things that you would never do. It's like being six years old and sitting on the toilet pretending you're in a spaceship with a towel wrapped around you or something. It's just, it's, it's, re it's like, it's the original playing. It's like being a child again, and it's, it can be a lot of fun. Have you poked around online to forums and listings such as cabinsmithfans.com? Um, you know, I kid, a friend of mine just told, <laughs> told me about that literally maybe a couple of months ago. And so I did. I, I went and I took a little look and, and I was absolutely amazed to see that people out there pay attention and put a website together. I mean, that's, that's sci-fi fan devotion. You know? Not a lot of people do that. Um, my wife thought it was very funny, very amusing. I think she wrote in. <laughs> I think she, I don't know what she said, but she told me she wrote in. What does she think of all these fangirls that are after you? I don't know. I, I hope she's flattered by it. I'm yeah. flattered by it. She's really cool about that sort of okay. thing. She understands what this industry is, entails. Um, so, no, I mean, there's a lot of things online. When you go looking around, you can find some stuff that's been out there for a while. Stuff that, I mean, I just did something... Uh, did a, an episode of the 4400 about two weeks ago, and there's already links online talking mm. about it. So it's past, 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 past. Mm -hmm. Connections. Connections. What is it uh, about the Stargate franchise in particular of, of the sci-fi work that you've done that you enjoy? Well, I think that uh, when it comes to Stargate, more so than perhaps any other show that, uh, that I'm aware of, except maybe, you know, the Star Trek franchise or something like that, is that large. I mean, SG-1 is going into, the, what, the 10th season, I think, or something mm -hmm. like that? That just doesn't happen. That, that kind of thing doesn't happen. So working with Stargate is, uh, first of all, there's a very familial aspect to being on set there because everybody's worked together for so long. MacGyver. Exactly. So everybody goes back that far. So this is a team that you're walking into. So when you walk in, it's very warm. It's very friendly. The people have been together for so long. And it generally is a lot of fun to be on set there. I know everybody. I, I've come to know I've come to be very friendly with everybody. So I think when you have something that's that successful, franchise that is that successful, everybody's relaxed. They have nothing to prove. They know that chances are they're going to get picked up again next year. They're going to have a job next year, and they're all comfortable with that. So there's not so much pressure. There's you don't have the same uh, producers lowering over the set, watching you and pacing behind you and peeking at you from behind the screen and snarling at you. So it's it, it feels good going to work on that show. It's fun. Great. Of your many appearances in season two of Atlantis, does any, any one of them stand out in your mind in particular? I would have to say that Runner. Def mm -hmm. Definitely the first one that I did um, mm -hmm. when they brought the character back. Uh, Tromping through the forest with McKay. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had a lot of cool little toys to play with, Ben, as far as, mm -hmm. you know, film stuff, cameras, the little gyroscopes that we used. Very interesting. Um, but I think in that one, they allowed my character to have freedom as far as his banter with the uh, McKay character. And I enjoyed that a lot. It was a lot of fun. So I set a lot of 
precedence for my character in that one episode. So anytime somebody asks which one I like the most, it's definitely the one. I, I don't know that it was, you know, necessarily my best or any of that kind of stuff, but it was the one that sticks out the most because I got to really yeah, dig my teeth in a little bit and have fun with another character. So You say about like setting standards for yourself and the banter. How often do you get a chance to improvise in an environment like this? Well, as far as the uh, dialogue and stuff is concerned, they're really not that finicky. Again, that goes back to the fact that it's, just, you know, it's a long-term franchise. Mm -hmm. They know they're steady, so they can handle you changing a couple things here and there as long as you're cool about it and you talk to them or run it by them first. But I think it's, I don't know, I don't know, it's, I'm just kind of, what's he talking about? <laughs> you had me there. I had something really great I was going to say, and then improv I just blanked. Right, see, that's yeah. it right there, the improv. Sometimes my character just goes like that and forgets <laughs> everything. So I improv. <laughs> no, I, I just, I think the, um, there's not necessarily in television a lot of room for improv unless you're doing some kind of sketch comedy or something like that. But what's really interesting is when you're doing a lot of uh, explosions and special effects and stuff like that. These are oneers. They're, most of them are oneers. So you got one shot at it. Everything going on. So you can have fun because it's going to make the cut because <laughs> they spend you know fifty thousand dollars on this one shot. So there's pressure on it, but it also takes some of the pressure off because you know that what you get is going to stay. Mm -hmm. So if you've got to change a line or add a little something or if you want to steal a moment for yourself, that's a really good time to do it. Yes. Let's talk for a moment about. Coup d'etat. Okay. Receiving a script like this must be a little unnerving for a recurring actor. Did you think when you read the script that Lauren's number was up when the team finds evidence of his charred remains? Well, <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I didn't know about it. I was on set one day, and one of the props guys came by and said, Hey, so you die? And I was like, <sighs> and I'm, I'm trying to be cool, but I'm like, Oh, yeah, die. I die? What? Nobody told me that. And the one I got to kill. Yeah, yeah, I got to kill. Who I got to talk to? But um, I was so surprised. I think because everybody on the show had been so inclusive with me and, and, and very familial. So I was a little thrown, maybe, that nobody had told mm -hmm. me. But that's just the life of a recurring actor. You have to expect that from time to time you're going to get killed. And I've been killed many times in my career. But. Um, when I finally got the script, I realized that, you know, that was not the case because I, I had talked to the writers briefly and they said, you, you're not going to die. It just looks like you're going to die. So, cliffhanger. Joseph Malazzi mm -hmm. was really playing that up on, on our website in particular and a lot of your fans were scared for a couple of months. Oh, wow. Well, it's good to know. It's good to know. Sci-fi fans, very loyal. But um, so for one day, uh, I, was, I was definitely thrown. Um, you have a great deal of voice work that I've yeah. I've heard, uh, especially. My, I gotta tell you, I love the uh, come back to my place and we make some waffles. <laughs> you heard that? I love that piece. Hey baby, <laughs> hey baby, I got an idea. <laughs> How about you and me going back to my place and we make waffles? Huh? You like waffles? <laughs> I love some waffles. What attracts you to doing voice work? Well. I guess when you're an actor, if you're not really a character actor, like if you're physically A, you're going to play A a lot. So 
I'm stuck playing the way I look a lot, whatever that may or may not be. And I was trained in theater, that's where I came from, and there you have a lot more freedom. You do real different stuff. And so I'm not allowed generally to explore and play, like really play, do some crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And so a few years ago, well, not even a few years ago, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine suggested that, you know what, if you really just want to have a good time, it's not a, it doesn't pay as much, but it's a hell of a lot of fun, try voice. So I've been doing it, and I have to be honest with you, it is so, it's the most fun I've ever had. It's, it's like being in a playground with a bunch of idiots, and I'm one of the biggest idiots, and it's really a, a hell of a lot of fun. So, last night, I'm out with the guys, and this super hot chick comes right up to me, and she starts going on about how cute she thinks I am. No, 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 seriously, she did. And, uh, but not even just the fun aspect. It opens so many... For example, I'm, I just uh, signed on to do the um, narration in a new documentary called When Elephants Fight. And this is something that I would normally never be exposed to. And, and it is such a poignant, beautiful, necessary documentary. And to just be part of that is, is phenomenal. So the whole voice thing started as fun. And it's kind of moved, you know, serpentine all over the place and touching all sorts of different things for me to try. Sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet. You said that you tend to play a lot of the same kinds of characters. A lot of you had much chance to really go evil and play a good bad guy. Uh, yeah. That's something that you want to do? I love playing evil. When I did theater, I did a lot of evil. And when I first got into film, I did a lot of jerk. <laughs> played a lot of jerk for a while. And so not evil, or very, very mildly evil. But then I, I, I did a few evil things that I'm trying to forget because of budgetary constraints ended up being shot very poorly. Huh. So the couple times that I really had the opportunity to get right into real evil and really menacing stuff, which is so much fun to do, um, I would get sort of shanghaied and I, I kind of got screwed. So, no, I, I don't get the chance to play that kind of stuff as much as I would like to. And and with any luck, that'll change. Yeah, with, with Atlantis especially, there's any ch number of chances that Lauren could get possessed by an alien being. And, you know, I wish he would. Like, I, I mean, when Ford was sort of half taken over by the Wraith thing, that was the opportunity of a lifetime to play that kind of guy, that, that sort of being torn, being completely a wraith at one point and at the same time half human, you just, there's so much, so, so many possibilities there. And so much, by. yeah, exactly, that's exactly what I'm talking about, yep, and that was, that was one where I was kind of, sometimes I'd be sitting in the chair in between takes, I'm like, man, I, I'm so jealous right now, <laughs> I want to be doing this, this is much more fun, why don't we swap, and I'm the one who got this, but uh, they haven't gone for that yet. Never rush on set when they're filming and say, there was a third alien. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've done some, when I was, um, when I was, uh, I guess, 18, 19, something like that, I did a play, and I played a 250-year-old conjure man, a witch doctor type guy in the Ozarks. The play was called Dark of the Moon, and uh, it was so much fun to be something completely the opposite of who you are, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything. And... Um, Aliens definitely would fall into that category. I haven't got a chance to play a lot of aliens yet, but who knows? In Atlantis, anybody can be possessed. Mm -hmm.
Uh-huh. I mean, Shepard got uh, turned into a bug last year, so uh-huh. uh, maybe there's like maybe I could be an orangutan or something for, for an episode. In I, Vancouver, I anybody can wear prosthetics. Yeah, exactly. Everybody wears prosthetics here, so maybe Lauren just grows a really big nose and talks with a Jewish accent. I don't know. <laughs> you need something cool to do. Is the voice work working in there? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'll work the voice work in there somehow. What else can fans look for you in uh, coming up in addition to Atlantis? Uh, well, I'm still recurring in the um, 4400, so uh-huh. I've got, uh, I just shot the season opener of that show two weeks ago, and I go back and I shoot another episode next week, and uh, so that character is getting worked a little bit. Um, this documentary that I'm doing is, ter- is I'm really excited about that. Um, and uh, I was doing, at the end of last year, uh, a show for Fox called um, Reunion, which was sort of a teen-based thing, entirely different than Lauren, and entirely not soldierly at all, played a doctor. And it was, it was going to be a recurring role, and they had a lot of really interesting things planned for the character, and then, of course, the show sucked and got pulled. <laughs> so that's not coming out. Um, but other than that, just these two gigs right now, and uh, keep rolling, such is the life of an actor. And will we continue to see Marcus Lorne in season three? <laughs> Marcus Lorne. Marcus Lorne or some offshoot of, uh, of Lorne, uh, with any luck, it's entirely up to the producers. Uh, I'm, I'm available uh, for the most part. And I was in the season opener. So mm-hmm. I think... The two-parter? Uh, the two-parter. Okay. Yep. And uh, I think that there seems to be interest on their part and uh, certainly interest on my part. And uh, I, I guess time will tell. What can you tell us about that experience without, without spoiling the story? Okay, what can I tell you? I can tell you that generally speaking, which we spoke about before we started the interview, um, shows spend money on their season openers. So the sets, the crew, the equipment is much bigger budget than you would normally have on a regular episode. So they blew some cash. And any time they blow cash on a show, it usually equates to more fun. And so we got to, uh, I guess it's tough to tell you too much about it because I don't want to blow anything. They'll get mad at me if I do that. Um, but there is, uh, I do get beat up quite severely, get thrown around a little um, without letting in. We, uh, some massive explosions. We got some cool spaceship stuffing happening in this one, which is always a blast. Just like sitting on the toilet when you're three. Only there was no, no toilet, and I wasn't three. And down on my um, But uh, I can tell you that it's going to be great. It's going to look great. Martin directed it, and Martin's terrific. He's always it's just so competent when he does that. And um, everybody's in it. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm. I think you know what you asked me before. Which is my favorite episode? And I said Runner. I think this one might be my favorite episode hmm. so far. I think this one will be. I'm dying to see it. The sets alone, um, we see some wraith type settings, and we really explore those a little bit more. And with budget, so I'm dying to see what they look like on screen. Uh, you haven't had a lot of fan convention experience thus far. Are you hoping to get some more of that? No, I haven't. I've been asked a few times, but. Um, it just keeps happening at a time when I when I'm not available. Last uh, last year there was some some requests to my agent, and uh, it just so happened that I was either shooting or something. And I've had some requests this year for um, 
uh, I, I can't remember the names of the conventions, but some were happening in November, and, or October, November, or November, December, and my wife is due in October with our first child. Oh, so, congratulations. So I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play daddy for a little while. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Marcus, Lauren, daddy. <laughs> Do you feel as though, uh, as a recurring character, it's maybe only a matter of time before Lauren goes out in a blaze of glory? <laughs> what was it uh, in Star Trek? They always put the guys in red. They were red, shirt. red, red shirts. shirts. Red shirts. So I, every day when I show up on set, I look in the closet and see what's there. And if it's a red shirt, I'm gone. But, <laughs> but uh, as a recurring character, that's, I mean, sometimes it can be, it's, there's certainly no ill intent on anybody's side. Sometimes the producers and the writers just sit there and say, well, we need a way to get out of this. We need a scapegoat. We need somebody. We need something convincing, somebody we know and have an emotional attachment to to lose and sometimes that helps the storyline and uh, I am not on contract so they have the right to do that. I hope not but we'll see what happens. Okay, well I asked to be able to send a message to my uh, fans or Lauren's fans from Stargate and I guess the message is this, I am tickled, thrilled and blown away by the support that you guys have given me over the, you know, dating back to Enemy Mine a few years ago and that people actually paid attention when I showed up in the new Stargate Atlantis is, is remarkable. And um, I think part of the reason why they've kept me coming back from time to time is because positive fan feedback. And uh, I am, which is rare, speechless. I don't really know what to say. I am glad that the character speaks to you. I am glad that there's something about him that's interesting and compelling. I'm trying to make him deeper and more compelling and uh, trying to explore other things with him. And if I'm given the chance, I will continue to do so. So uh, keep writing in. Send them good things. Push me. And um, with any luck, uh, maybe we'll see you at some of these conventions and I can meet some of you face to face. Haven't had the pleasure of doing that yet, but um, I guess I will sum up by saying thank you. It is my privilege to be able to do this stuff for you guys, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks.